Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for this good day, for your presence in this place, for the privilege, Lord, of joining together with others and shouting your goodness and your mercy again. Father, be glorified in our worship as we surrender our lives to you once more. Make the book live to us today, we pray. Show us ourselves in your word. Show us our sin in your word. And yes, Lord, show us our Savior in your word. And make the book live to us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. What a great beginning to Holy Week. We're looking forward to the main event next uh, Sunday, but Thursday night, Maundy Thursday, and then Good Friday, and Holy Saturday we rest, and then we come together. And I wonder, did you bring your palm fronds with you this morning? I noticed that our children did. I suppose they probably had some help with that. I I noticed... um, as I was going for my Sunday morning walk in the park this morning, that my neighbor has this beautiful sago palm and it is uh, flourishing and doing well and it spread, it's just beautiful. And then, well, then there's ours that was affected by the snowpocalypse uh, in February of last year. (laughs) They're not exactly the same. I would say ours is trying, it's trying. And I wonder, Which one represents your worship more this morning? Do you feel more like my neighbor's palm bush or or more like ours? The, The truth is the events of recent years have a way of stealing our joy. But it's good to be able to come together and to seek the Lord while he may be found. And he says, I will be found by you. I read this week about a little boy who was sick on Palm Sunday. He stayed home with mom. Dad went to church and just to remind his son of what had happened that morning, he brought a palm branch home with him and his son said, what's that about? And he said, well, when Jesus came into town, everybody greeted him with these palm branches and so I brought you a palm branch and he said, wait, what? The one Sunday I miss church, Jesus shows up. How did that happen? Well, our only hope is that he shows up, that he shows up in a great way among his people today. I remember a conversation with our daughter years ago when uh, she was growing up with us. She, she said, you know, do you people even know any famous people? And I said, you know, we really don't know any famous people. We took her on a, on a vacation, and it was up near uh, Beaver Creek, up near Vail, Colorado. And I said, maybe there'll be famous people there. And there were, she was looking for Justin Bieber, I think, and so she was disappointed because he wasn't. We met a lot of Tallywood people, but I hate to tell you this, but you didn't count in the famous people category. And so, you know, she had just about given up hope. And then one day we went to a football game. It was actually uh, in the presidential suite at uh, Baylor the first day that they opened the new stadium there. And we walked in and standing there in front of us was Heisman Trophy winner Robert Griffin III. And I said to my daughter, this is your chance. Here is a famous person. She said, who is he? I said, it's Robert Griffin III. She said, who's he? I said, he won the Heisman Trophy. She looked at me a little bit doubtfully and said, famous? And I said, very famous. And I plays in the NFL. But is he famous? Yes, he's famous. So we're taking a picture of her with a famous person. And wouldn't you know it, 
President, former President George W. and his wife, Laura Bush, photobomb the picture. <laughs> they walk in right while we're taking the picture. I said, Casey, this is your lucky day. You got all the famous people together in one room. I wonder, what would you do if you met somebody who was really famous? Are you, are you ready for that? I know what most people do these days. Poor Robert Griffin sat behind us and my daughter's phone was taking uh, pictures of him during that time. It, it strikes me that we are, we are likely to uh, take, a, take a photo with somebody to show that we've met somebody famous. The people on Palm Sunday were ready They had been waiting for hundreds of years. They had been singing from their hymn book, Psalm 118, about this actual day. They had been reading in the prophets like Zechariah that their king would come to them. And then he came. And some of them were ready. And some of them yawned. And some of them missed it all together. Would you open your Bibles with me again to the Gospel of Mark where we've been this whole year? Remember, uh, Mike Glenn said, if the church rediscovers Jesus, maybe the world will rediscover the church. And so we've been thinking together about who Jesus is, and we come now in Mark chapter 11 to what is often called the triumphal entry. Give us Jesus, worship fit for a king. Would you stand with me in reverence for our God? and his word, and hear the word of the Lord together today. As Mark writes, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it. And bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it. And we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. And when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I wonder who was in that crowd. We know that Bartimaeus was there. We remember at the end of chapter 10 that he cries out to Jesus. Maybe he knows something that others don't know. He's the first in the gospel to address Jesus in this way. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus unexpectedly goes to him. The disciples are trying, everybody's trying to quiet Bartimaeus down, but he will not be silenced. 
Have mercy on me, Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want? That I may see. And Jesus heals him and says, go. And he goes right behind Jesus. He follows in the entourage. We suppose 4,000 feet up over 20 miles on that road from the lowest city on earth, Jericho, 800 feet below sea level to Jerusalem, 3,000 feet above sea level. They made their way up this entourage. And Jesus, we presume, as he did everywhere he went, walked the whole way. But inexplicably, when he got close to Jerusalem, he said, I need a donkey. And his disciples must have been bewildered by that, but he gave them specific instructions and they obeyed him And they found it, as he said, and they brought the donkey to him. And he rode the donkey in. And the people in the crowd knew what he was saying. He was fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. He was telling them, I am your king. And some that day recognized him as their king and others did not. And that that week, later that week, as we'll recognize on Friday night, another mob crowd marched him unceremoniously out of Jerusalem up another hill called Golgotha. And there they crucified him. This story shows us something about the worship of our king. Them shouting, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who brings the kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. God save us. They were singing. And as I read this this week, I wondered, how do we prepare our hearts to give God worship that is worthy, that is fit for a king? What can we offer to him perhaps our songs this morning as we sang together, as we celebrated in baptism, as we prayed together, perhaps in this gathering today, something in our hearts has been stirred and we have recognized that Jesus is our King. Worship always begins with God. When God reveals who he is to us and then it results in a response and we respond to him. Jesus is saying something to them by coming in the way that he came. He wasn't just tired and needed to ride on a donkey. He was trying to say to them, what you have been waiting for has finally come. The day has arrived. Now your king is here. The kingdom has come very near. And like those who shouted Hosanna, when we see the king, we should celebrate. Notice first the revelation of Jesus. What does Jesus reveal about himself to them by coming in that way? He reveals that he is both Savior and King. I heard Alistair Begg describe this poignantly when he said, Jesus deliberately, dramatically, dangerously revealed he was the King that day. He, he revealed himself as king deliberately. You can't read those first six verses without realizing that Jesus is orchestrating this. He is preparing this. The one who created the universe has created a moment where the universe will receive him. The the prophet Zechariah had said, your king comes 
to you. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus gives the disciples very clear instructions. So you're to go and you're to find him. And and if somebody asks you, you're to say to them and and, and everything happened exactly the way he said it would. Because after all, he was the king. And he knew exactly what he was doing. He reveals himself as king dramatically. So you see in verse 7, it says, when they put their coats over this foal of a donkey on which no one had ever written, had, had no one had ever ridden, Jesus sits down on it. This is drama, worship in its own way, as Robert Weber says in Ancient and Future Worship. He says, in worship, we do the story. We reenact the story. Jesus is reenacting the story. He is showing that he is coming intentionally, and there is drama. So again, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 10, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. This is high drama. As Jesus comes into the city, but then we notice that Jesus reveals himself as king dangerously. This is, this is treason in its own way. I mean, for the Roman government, nobody else was supposed to claim to be king of anything. They had their puppet king in order there. The, the Herodian dynasty was there, but they could only do what Caesar allowed. And now Jesus comes riding this donkey, and the people are saying, save us, and blessed be the king, and they're recognizing who he is, and this is remarkably dangerous. How dangerous is it? Well, later in this chapter, in verse 18, it says, the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this, and they began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. I read this week about a, a priest over in Russia. His name is Burden, last name Burden. And uh, he came out this week from his small village and said, it was wrong for our country to attack the Ukraine. It was wrong for us to go over there and shed blood. The people there are our brothers and sisters. And somebody said to him, don't you know that to say what you're saying in your country, in Russia as a priest, very quickly the police called him in. After that, his archbishop called him in and said, you need to be quiet, you need not to say things like this. And somebody asked him an interesting question. They said, so don't you know that it's risky for you to say things like that? And he said, in Russia we have a saying, if you're afraid of the wolves, don't go into the woods. I'm going into the woods willingly because I'm not afraid of the wolves. This is Jesus coming into the city. He knows what he's in for. He knows. Remember, the whole first part of the Gospel of Mark, we've talked about this. There was this messianic secret. Every time Jesus performed a miracle, it was, shh, don't tell anybody. But now the time has come, and Jesus is orchestrating this to show them the reality of what 
he is doing, showing them that he is the king. But remember, he defines kingship differently than they do. Notice their response. When King Jesus comes to us, we worship him as the God who saves and as the king who reigns. Some of our missionaries who escaped from Ukraine before the conflict began are sending us reports about what is happening in Poland in the refugee areas there and how they are helping the people who are escaping Ukraine in these days. And one of our missionaries sent, did you see this video of a worship service? I don't speak the Ukrainian language. Obviously, it's an Eastern Slavic language. I don't, I don't speak that. But, but maybe you can recognize what they're singing in this video. soul who does that who sings who stays who sings who packs a church who worships God I'll tell you who those people who know who Jesus is those who know that Jesus Christ is the Savior so when those people were shouting Hosanna when the little children were stirring up the Pharisees by recognizing who Jesus was when they said Hosanna that's a shout that means God save us where would they get that why do they spontaneously shout that well it turns out it's not as spontaneous as it appears. They're singing from the hymn book, the, the psalm, the Hillel psalm, Psalms 113 to 118, often used at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And there in Psalm 118, you know one of those psalms. Psalm 118, uh, verse 14 says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. That's what the children were singing that day. Psalm 118, 22, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And in verse 25, this is where they got that Hosanna. Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. To be clear, they were calling Jesus Savior and God. They needed a Savior. Jesus was the Savior. The people in Ukraine who sing, it is well with my soul, need a Savior. Jesus is a Savior. I think about years ago, a pastor was preaching, and he talked about the crucifixion, which we will talk about on Good Friday. And, and one of the people who was visiting said to him, I wish you wouldn't talk about Jesus' death. It's so morbid. Maybe it would be better if you talked about Jesus' teaching. 
Maybe it would be better if you would talk about Jesus as our moral example. He said, would you follow Jesus if I preached that way? And the person said, well, yes, I would. And he said, well, let's just start with Jesus. He never sinned. How are you doing with following that example? And the person said, well, I have to confess, I am a sinner. And D.M. Stearns, that preacher said, then your greatest need is to have a savior, not an example. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. I think about that song from years ago, there is a savior. What joys express, his eyes are mercy, his word is rest. For each tomorrow, for yesterday, there is a savior to light the way. Hosanna, they were worshiping Jesus as savior on this Palm Sunday, we worship Jesus as Savior. We worship the King. But notice which kind of King we worship. We worship the King who later that week would wear a crown made of thorns. This is the hard part for those people in the first century. They wanted more than anything for Jesus to overthrow Rome. Think about it going back into history. Before Rome, they were ruled by the Greeks. And before the Greeks, the Persians. And before the Persians, they were ruled by the Babylonians and the Assyrians. They had always been under some hegemony from some ruler somewhere else. And now they thought, this is the time. You want to see how strongly they believe this. You see in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, Peter is still talking about this, and they say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, Lord, we'd like for you to make our nation a nation again. We'd like for you to be our king. And Jesus says, not for you to know, nanya. It's not your business, the times and the seasons. It's not. It's not for you to know. What you need to know is that I have come and I have died for your sins and I have been raised from the dead so that you may live. And to this day, we may confuse Jesus' kingship and think of it in terms of our own specific situation in life, that it's really about us and and about getting the right people in power. And I love it when, when Christians are involved in government and run and serve and help our country. I love that. But I just have to say that nowhere in the New Testament do we see Jesus saying, I came as your king so that your particular country would be the way you want it to be. No, if you go back to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 10, he says, your king will come to you proclaiming peace to the nations, plural. It turns out the gospel, the good news, we're worse off than we thought and more loved than we ever dreamed was never about just one country, not even Israel. No, it was always about the kingdom of God coming to all the nations and Jesus proclaiming peace to the nations. So Jesus is king, but what kind of king is he? And more importantly, as my friend Jim Dennison likes to ask, is he your king or is he just your hobby? Something about our worship should show us surrender. What is worship that is worthy of a king? It's, it's a person who owns a donkey who says, 
the king can have my donkey. Samuel warned Israel about this. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 16, he said, if you have a king like the other nations, he's gonna take your kids and send them into battle. He's gonna take your stuff and use it for himself. And Jesus, by saying, I want that donkey, was saying in very unmistakable terms, I am your king. And those who throw their garments before him are saying, Jesus is more valuable than, than my clothes. He's more valuable than my possessions. Th those who release the cult are being obedient. They're, they're saying, in worship worthy of a king, God, I'll give you my stuff. I'll give you my time, those disciples who obey him. I will give you, I will give to you my songs and my worship. And going all the way back to the hymn book of the Old Testament, they sing to their king. And today in worship, we reenact that. We fulfill again what God is saying. I think of S.M. Lockridge who said, my king was born king. My Jesus is a seven-way king. Uh, he's the king of the Jews. That's an ethnic king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. He is king of all. And in our worship, we're acknowledging we want Jesus to bless our country. We want Jesus to bring his kingdom to rule over all the nations. And Jesus, when he comes, as Tony Evans says so powerfully, when the king of heaven comes, he doesn't come to take sides in our internecine strife. He comes to take over. Like that warrior in Joshua chapter five, when Joshua is about to fight the battle of Jericho and he runs into a warrior with a drawn sword and says, whose side are you on? Joshua asked the warrior, are you on our side or you are on their side? And he says, no, no, I'm the, the captain of the army of heaven. And as the captain of the army of heaven, I have come. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side, but you want to be on my side. Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. It's when our choir sings that beautiful anthem, my eternal king. Why do I love you, God? In so I love thee and will love and in thy praise will sing solely because thou art my God and my eternal king. Walter Brueggemann, that great Old Testament scholar, tells about a church that he pastored on a Palm Sunday morning and they lined up the children much as we lined up our children today. They started outside, and the children were, were loud and shouting, Hosanna. They were warming up for the worship. Do you ever warm up for worship? They were warming up for worship, and they were making a good bit of noise. And across the street, somebody in the apartment complex opened up their window and said, Who do you people think you are? We're trying to sleep around here. Who do you think you are? The Salvation Army? And Walter Brueggemann said he turned and addressed his neighbor and said, as a matter of fact, we are. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are our king. It turns out we need a king. We need a savior. We need a sovereign ruler over our lives.
We recognize, Lord, looking around our world today that the shalom has been vandalized, that there is not peace as we would see peace. But Father, we thank you that Jesus came proclaiming peace and breaking down the wall of division so that we could be reconciled to you and reconciled to each other. We thank you for a king who is powerful enough not just to take sides, but to take over. And we confess that we are amateurs. After all these years of worshiping you on Palm Sunday, Lord, we still don't have it all figured out. But as best we know how, Lord, like children, we come saying, God, save us, or we will not be saved at all. You are our only hope. God, be our king today. Rule without rival in our lives, in this country, in this city, in this church, in this In this place, God, we abdicate the throne of yours which we have usurped. And we say, you alone are king. God, don't be our hobby this week. Be our king, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.